Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long Jr. Sometimes people will say, you know what, in anger, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And what he's done is just unforgivable. I can never forgive that person. Maybe you've been that type of person and and you found yourself struggling with this unresolved anger and this unresolved hurt in your life. What some people do with their anger is they stuff their anger. And for other people, what they do is they spew their anger. And what we need to do is to be able to come to a place where we can understand where our anger is coming from and find ways to deal with it. And one of the ways to deal with breaks in relationship is the concept and the principle of forgiveness. And I want to teach you in this study what forgiveness is, and I want to give you some principles about forgiveness. I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and then what I want to do is to teach you four promises that we offer someone when we forgive them in this next Lessons for Life. Hello, everyone. My name is James Long, Jr., and welcome to Lessons for Life. And if you're new to us, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I am a counselor. I'm a pastor, I'm a university professor, and I spend my life helping people trying to tackle some of life's greatest questions and deepest and biggest questions in life. I've been doing this for almost 30 years, and I'm passionate about helping people find God's solutions to life's struggles. I love helping people experience the joy of forgiveness and freedom found in Christ alone. And if you were to boil it down, what do I do? I help people where their pain from their past or their present is influencing their perspective on life. And I teach them about a person, Christ, about principles and promises from God's word and a pathway for change so that they may have peace, hope, and joy in their lives. And I want to do that even in this study today as we talk about the concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a way to cease feeling resentment towards someone else who has wronged you. It's to offer a pardon. And unforgiveness is this state of resentment. It's bitterness. It's anger. It's hostility. It will cause stress in relationships because what we do is we have a tendency to focus on what other people have done to us, how they've transgressed against us. And what we do is we allow the malignancy of anger and hurt and trauma to eat away at us, at our soul, at our peace, at our hope and joy. And and what God says is this, he offers us forgiveness. Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verses 40 through 47, he said this, Jesus answered them and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. And a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the death of both. Now which of them loved him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? 
I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus was telling this amazing truth about how forgiveness and love go together. And it doesn't mean that what this person has done was acceptable. It wasn't. It doesn't mean that God is just winking at evil. He doesn't. But what it does mean is this, that when we recognize that we are greatly in need of forgiveness, greatly in need to be pardoned, When we see the amount of our debt to God and we see what he has done for us, it helps us to move from anger and the trauma and the conflict and the pride of life to greater levels of humility and peace and joy and greater levels of trust. On this concept of forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, it says this, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Now, I should tell you, in Hebrew culture, you were supposed to forgive them three times. So what Peter was doing was doubling it and adding one. So he said up to seven times. And Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times. And Jesus wasn't saying that whether it's 70 times seven, which is 490, or 77 times, he wasn't saying that you count that up and that's the limit of forgiveness. What he's saying is that we should be gracious forgivers because God has graciously forgiven us. In Luke chapter 17, verses three through four, it says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Once again, if somebody is seeking your forgiveness, we need to be forgiving them. Now, there are fruits of repentance. We'll talk about that in other times. But right now, what I need you to consider is that we need to be more gracious in our forgiving. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Or how about in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, where it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Or in James chapter 5, verse 15 through 16, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we see in scripture that God has forgiven us through the person and work of Christ. And because of that forgiveness, we should be offering that type of forgiveness to others. So let's talk about this. 
it's often difficult to forgive others genuinely and completely. We, we often find ourselves practicing some form of forgiveness that is neither biblical nor healing. And as Christians, we cannot overlook the direct relationship between God's forgiveness and our forgiveness. As we look back at that passage in Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ have forgiven you. See, you can't do this alone. It's impossible to truly forgive others in your own strength, especially when you've been hurt so deeply or betrayed so deeply. There's only one way to overcome these barriers, and that's to admit that you cannot forgive in your own strength and that you desperately need God to come into your life and change your heart towards this person. I want you to know that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. Forgiveness involves a series of decisions that you will make. And the first one is to call upon God to change your heart. Second, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is an active process. It involves a conscious choice and a deliberate course of action. When we forgive, we must draw on God's grace and consciously decide not to think or talk about what the other person has done to hurt us. So forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Third, forgiveness is not excusing. The very fact that forgiveness is needed and granted indicates that what someone did was wrong and maybe even inexcusable. So it's neither feeling nor forgetting nor excusing. Forgiveness is the decision. To forgive someone means to release them from liability to suffer punishment or penalty. Unfortunately, many people keep a record of wrongs. You remember that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? It says that we don't keep a record of wrongs. Well, unfortunately, people do that oftentimes in their anger and their bitterness and their unforgiveness and their resentment. They keep a record of these wrongs of others and they bring them up again and again. Through forgiveness, God tears down the walls that our sin has built and he opens a way for us to have a renewed relationship with him. And he offers us, and we should be offering others four promises of forgiveness. Forgiveness can be described as a decision to make four promises. Here they are. I will not dwell on this incident. And dwelling means to roll it around in your mind. And so as you're rolling around what this person has done, that means that in all likelihood, we probably haven't forgiven them. So I won't dwell on this incident. I won't roll this around in my mind. I won't be constantly reminding myself of what you've done to me. Second, when I offer you forgiveness, I promise this. Not only will I not dwell on this incident, but second, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Oftentimes in our relationships, we become historians. And what we do is we just constantly bring up old history. History that has been forgiven, debt that has been canceled. Once again, forgiveness is canceling of a debt. And so if this debt has been canceled, there's no reason to continue to bring the debt up again, over and over again. Now, that's a little bit different, and we'll talk more about that in other videos, that there are times where there are patterns in a person's life, patterns in a relationship that need to be dealt with. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about browbeating somebody over something that they've done in the past that they sought forgiveness for and that they've changed. So I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. This is so important. Oftentimes what we find in our relationship is that we give this person a sense that we forgave them to their face, but then we talk about them behind their back. And in some ways, what we are probably doing is moving down the path of gossip or even potential slander when we're talking to others about this. 
And so what we need to do is this. When we offer a person forgiveness, we say that we're not going to bring it up to ourselves. We will not bring it up to them, but we also not bring it up to others. The debt has been canceled. The fourth promise of forgiveness is this. I will not let this incident stand between us and hinder our personal relationship. See, there is this sense of forgiveness that some Christians have today that is not biblical. It's not correct. Is that I forgive you, but I won't forget. I forgive you, but I won't be in relationship with you. And that's just not biblical. Can you imagine if God says, I forgive you, but you can't be part of my family? I forgive you, but you can't come to heaven. I forgive you, but we can't be connected. I mean, come on, that that just, it just would not be what you would want from God. And that's not what God has offered you. So why is it that we believe that we can forgive other people and do the same thing to them? So forgiveness says that I will not allow this incident to stand between us and hinder our personal relationship ever again. So I want you to think about this. When should you forgive? Ideally, repentance should precede forgiveness. When an offense is too serious to overlook and the offender has not repented, you may need to approach them in a two-step process. The first will require having an attitude of forgiveness, and the second is granting forgiveness. During the first stage, you pray for the other person. You stand ready at any moment to pursue complete reconciliation. And as soon as the other person repents, then you grant them forgiveness in a relational way. Thus, granting forgiveness is conditional on the repentance of the offender, and it takes place between you and the person. And so what happens is that you are approaching this person. You're first making sure that your heart is right and ready for this person. And you speak truth to them and you speak to them as we saw in that passage in Luke, that you confront them and you speak to them about their sin, but you keep your heart ready to forgive. And then the second step is to grant forgiveness. Once they've repented, that you can grant forgiveness to others. I think so many people jump the equation, jump this process, and they jump to process number two before the person has ever repented. And what they do is they just grant forgiveness when the person hasn't changed and hasn't acknowledged their sin. And sometimes there needs to be a level of confrontation and speaking with this person. In essence, biblically, we either overlook in love or we confront in love. And so if we believe that we need to confront in love and we confront them, we do it with an attitude of forgiveness and grace. And then once they've repented, we grant forgiveness. Can you ever confront the sin again? Sure, sure. The the four promises should not be used as a rigid, mechanical fashion. The, the commitment not to bring up the offense again and use it against the other person should not prevent us from dealing honestly and realistically with recurring patterns of sin. You're not breaking the second promise when you bring it up for their good and to use it for their benefit. However, when someone has confessed a wrong and you have forgiven him, you should not bring it up again unless there is a very compelling reason to do so. How about consequences? You know, a lot of people ask about that. Forgiveness does not automatically release the offender from the consequences of sin. When God does allow certain consequences to remain, it's usually to teach us and others not to sin again. It's important um, to remember that once a person has expressed repentance, God calls you to truly forgive them and to remove the penalty of the personal separation. Finally, if you struggle with 
unforgiveness in your life, I want you to think about some of these steps. First, I want you to confirm repentance. It it can be difficult to forgive a person who has failed to repent and confess clearly and specifically. In this situation, it may be wise to explain to the person who wronged you why you're having difficulty forgiving them. I want you to renounce sinful attitudes and expectations. Forgiveness can be hindered by sinful attitudes and unrealistic expectations. Many of us withhold forgiveness because we believe the other person must earn or deserve our forgiveness or because we want to punish the other person and make them suffer and we want to guarantee that such offense will not occur again. But these attitudes and expectations are utterly inconsistent with the commands to forgive as God has forgiven us. Forgiveness is based on repentance, not guarantees. Therefore, once someone has expressed repentance for their action, we have no right to let fear of the future delay forgiveness today. Again, if someone has expressed repentance but continues to behave in hurtful ways, it may be appropriate to talk with the offender about the present conduct. Third, assess your contribution to the problem. In some situations, your sin may be contributing to the problem, and if if you did not start the dispute, your lack of understanding, maybe your careless words, impatience, or failure to respond in a loving manner may have aggravated the situation. When this has happened, it is easy to behave as though the other person's sins are more than yours. This self-righteous attitude can retard forgiveness. Recognize that God is working for your good. We need to focus on how much God has forgiven us. We take God's forgiveness for granted while we stubbornly withhold forgiveness from others. The more you understand and appreciate the wonders of God's grace and forgiveness, the more motivation you will have to forgive others. And then finally, drawing God's strength. Above all else, remember that true forgiveness depends upon God's grace. Let me end with this. I I oftentimes tell people to think about the fact that it is literally impossible for another person to sin against you as much as you have sinned against God. It's literally impossible for someone to sin against me as much as I've sinned against God. And if God has forgiven me everything because of the work of Christ, how is it that I can hold this person accountable in such a way that I would never forgive them. So I can overcome unforgiveness by reminding myself of the cross. So I hope this is helpful. Remember those four promises of forgiveness. I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring this incident up again and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. And I will not allow this incident to stand between us and hinder our personal relationship. I hope this has been helpful to you. If it is, I would love it if you would subscribe to our channel. You'll see a subscribe button down on the bottom, so please do that. And we usually put out videos, usually once a week or more, uh, so we would love it if you would do that. I would also love it if you would come to our website, jameslongjr.org, jameslongjr.org, At that website, what you'll find is you'll find a lot of great resources. We have podcasts, blogs, book reviews. We have free checklist. I also offer some services. One of the services I offer is called Relational Wisdom 360. It is produced by Ken Sandy, who is the author of The Peacemaker, from which these four promises came from. He also has created this program called Relational Wisdom 360. I'm a certified counselor there. You ever wonder why it is some people 
have closer families and other relationships, thrive in school or workplace, excel in conflict resolution. They all have something in common, strong relational wisdom. I'd love to teach you about that. So if you want to go to our website, you can get some more information about that. And um, I guess that's all. I pray that God is going to work richly in your life and through your life. Blessings. Take care. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.